It just hit all of a sudden right there in the second week of March where they're telling us we're closing down and we were just shocked. On TV, we only get a few minutes to share each story. Um, in our district, we face the same the, th- the same things where some students and households don't have, you know, um, internet access or um, technology like they need. But here we get to tell you all the details. Again, I just have to remind myself to be careful because I don't feel immunocompromised and I don't feel like I should be different than any other, you know, 30 something teacher that's heading back to school. About stories that are important to greater Cincinnati. Today on the pod, the major focus of going back to school in a world with COVID-19 has been on the students. Today, we bring you the teachers who've lived the ups and downs through the spring to now on the verge of going back to their classroom. I'm Stephen Albritton and this is WLWT News 5 Beyond the Studio. Let's bring in Amy Branson, Ashley Garland, and Emily Chrisman. They've been nice enough to join us on the podcast today. Uh, Ladies, thank you so much for being with us. And we'll go one by one, just kind of telling your stories about what your experience has been with COVID. Amy, uh, we'll start with you. You work at a charter school up in Dayton. We're talking about um, Horizon Science up there. Take us back to February when the talk of COVID was just coming around. You know, what was happening in your school? I, when I... Back in February, it really hadn't sunk in, I don't think. Um, It was just something that we're like, oh, it's a virus. People are getting sick, you know, and um, I would have students come in towards the end right before we quarantine and they would be wearing masks. But it was more of like a joke. I teach middle school. So it was more like, hey, we're wearing masks. Let's be cool. And so my whole thing was if you're going to wear a mask in class, then you can't be touching it. You can't be um, playing around with it. That's not the purpose of the mask. And so it was kind of not taken seriously at first, but then it just hit all of a sudden right there in the second week of March where they're telling us we're closing down and we were just shocked. Um, and so it was just all, it was just so abrupt and, um, it was it was all at once and we didn't know how to prepare for it we were preparing last minute um for the distance learning um i work at a charter school and it's a lot of our students are um lower income and so we were dealing with the issue of many of our students not having access to the internet so we were having to have them set up Um, free internet with Spectrum, um, lending out Chromebooks to them. And so it's just a stressful time for everyone um, having to deal with all of this just so abruptly. It sounds like a whirlwind of a couple of weeks there. Um, Ashley, you work down here in Cincinnati, Cincinnati Public Schools at John P. Parker. You know, you also teach the the middle schoolers here, but you're an intervention specialist. So it sounds like from February into March for the shutdown, your experience was probably very unique compared to um, other teachers who might be teaching English science gym. Yeah, um, like Amy said, you know, it kind of all hit all at once for us. Um, we were in severe test prep mode <laughs> at that point and um, kind of having our eye on the prize of spring break for everybody to kind of get a mental break, you know, from all the stress of 
prepping and getting our students ready for everything. And then, you know, come Friday, we hear, well, we need to be prepared for about two weeks worth of work. So let's get those packets together and we'll figure it out. And then said, no, we might need to prepare for like 30 days. Like what? So it was still confusing and we didn't know, you know, what was going on. Um, But it was just really incredible how all the staff and teachers and um, teacher supports all pulled together to really make it work, especially for our students that didn't have access, like Amy said, because, you know, um, in our district, we face the same, the, th- the same things where some students and households don't have, you know, um, internet access or um, technology like they need. So it was kind of inspiring to see how we pulled together really quickly to get our kids what they need and um, help everybody be safe. And what kind of questions were you getting from your students in CPS during that March transition? What's going on? Um, How long are we going to be out? How do we do these packets? Are we not going to be able to see you anymore? Is this the last time we're going to see our friends? Um, How are we going to, can we still come get lunch? You know, um, those type of different things that um, some of our students see and and are concerned about. So, um, we had all those questions to, to handle. <laughs> yeah, and, and may not have answers for for a lot of those, so it's definitely heartbreaking hearing some of those. And uh, Emily Chrisman, you, you work in Fairfield as an occupational therapist at, a, at an elementary school out there. You know, with your unique position within the school, you know, how did you have to prepare your students for, for going home and possibly not being able to see you for a while? It was definitely a whirlwind. Um, Just going back to what Amy and Ashley said, I just remember like walking in the teacher workroom and the copier was just like, like putting out copies constantly and just like people swirling around and educational assistants covering classes so the teachers could make the packets. Um, I don't know. It was all very interesting because at that time, I was kind of at work every three weeks for one week and then I was off two weeks. Um, because of the treatments I was getting. And I actually had a substitute. So the substitute was there, which was kind of not like a substitute occupational therapist. So it was nice because we were kind of able to work together and bounce ideas off of, you know, do we send this fine motor pack at home? Do we send a whole calendar home? You know, what about the kids that are a little older that some of these fine motor activities are more geared towards like um, the kindergartners and the first graders. So it was nice to have um, her there because we could kind of brainstorm together, but yeah, it was kind of just a matter of, well, even if we send these packets home, are these students going to have these materials like beads or toothpicks or, um, tweezers, different things that we do fine motor activities with, um, to work on those skills like cutting and handwriting and shoe tying and things like that. So, um, as they said, it was definitely whirlwind of, you know, what, what's the best thing we can give them to get them started and then kind of go from there. And so from here, we've moved into March. All three of you are out of school. You guys are trying to do distance teaching. Amy, you know, we'll start with you. I imagine those first, that first week, maybe two weeks probably were fairly rough because you spend all this time trying to figure out how your students learn in class. And now it's a whole new ball game. 
when we went to distance learning, we had the packets and everything. And then as time went on, we realized that we were not going to be going back. So um, I set up Google Classrooms, which um, my school didn't use Google Classroom a whole lot. So it was a matter of me um, showing some grace to the students and them not turning in work when they were supposed to because they didn't know where to turn it in they didn't know um where to look or they just weren't familiar with google classroom and there was really no way for me to really teach them like i could for distance learning um through the computer um, i would have students come to zoom meetings and just sit there not ask questions um, they just were not into doing things online um, middle schoolers need interactions they need face-to-face um, -face teaching and so it was very hard teaching middle schoolers um, online it just <laughs> It was a learning experience for all of us um, and it was kind of rough those first few weeks um, trying to get them to be adjusted to doing everything online. And, and Ashley, I, I'm sure you've been in a similar situation with the distance learning. Was there ever a time where you see these students, maybe somebody was very outgoing at school, but then they have to adjust to this online and you're just not getting the same interaction, not the same questions, not the same outgoing child? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess my teaching position is a little bit different where I'm not like a general education classroom teacher. So I work with, you know, a certain group of kids and collaborative teaching a lot with the gen ed teachers. Um, so for me, it had a lot of pros and cons. Um, for the kids that were more, um, I guess, hesitant to speak up in class or ask for help, they actually thrived um, online learning um, because they were able to, I guess, contact me more um, when they had questions, especially when they only had packets. Because for the first couple of weeks, you know, we were packets only, um, too. And then I started having kids reach out and it's like, I don't understand this. So I started the Google Classroom as well. Um, just on my own. A lot of our teachers already use that in our schools, so the kids were familiar with it, so that helped with that learning curve. Um, but getting it all set up, getting in contact with the kids, making sure, you know, we could access everything for them, um, <clears throat> of course, was a learning curve. Uh, too. But um, so yeah, pros and cons for both some that were very outgoing and engaged in class, I just couldn't get connected as frequently as I wanted to for whatever reason. Uh, but then other ones that were more shy or apprehensive to ask for help, because maybe they were embarrassed in the classroom setting or didn't know how to, you know, express their question. Um, they really um, seem to thrive, I guess, a little more online because um, I could set up one-on-one -on -one sessions with them so they could really just be free in sharing what they didn't understand um, without the peer pressure, um, too. So um, my, my particular set of kids, they, they did really well. But for the younger grades, it was definitely um, a challenge. I know talking with some of my peer teachers, that teach the younger grades. They're like, um, kindergarten and first grade and preschool, how do we do this? So, you know, everybody had to be very creative uh, with how we reached kids. And uh, Emily, for you, you know, with your, uh, you know, occupational therapy, I guess, how, how did you guys get it done? I know you said you were working with somebody, but at, at some point, if somebody doesn't have the tools needed to get the work done, how did you guys, how did your team, you know, work around that for them? 
Yeah, first, again, we were kind of um, all just kind of scrambling to figure out the best way. Um, the Fairfield, all the OTs in Fairfield did end up kind of getting on a Zoom meeting and talking about, you know, how can we approach this? So it's at least a little bit similar in case families, um, you know, have one student in one building and another student in another building. So they're not getting um, so many conflicting platforms or ideas. And um, we also ended up setting up a Google Classroom that all of us would just kind of share activities to and promote that and say, hey, um, check this out. Here's some ideas. And with, I think there were six or seven of us contributing to that. It kind of made it, it made it nice because obviously there was a wide variety of different things on there that um, different ages could look into and access. Um, the biggest, I just remember feeling so overwhelmed for the parents as well, because as an occupational therapist, you know, they have the gen ed teachers reaching out to them and reaching out to them and reaching out to them. And then these students that have special needs or are, or are on IEPs also have intervention specialists like Ashley. So they have those they have those teachers reaching out, reaching out, reaching out. And, um, I kind of felt bad because I know parents were getting overwhelmed that, you know, they're getting an email from OT, they're getting an email from PT, they're getting an email from speech. And again, if they have multiple children, they're just receiving all these emails. And I just remember feeling like I don't want to put something else on their plate, but it also is, you know, my duty to make sure that their child receive these services, you know, as best to our ability. So again, it was definitely a challenge, but um, I think, I think parents and students kind of figured out what worked for them. I had some kids, you know, select to do the video therapy or teletherapy. And some were just like, nope, we're great with what activities you send. We'll keep picking from that choice board. And, you know, hopefully we can touch base again in the fall. And Amy, Ashley, I see you guys both nodding your heads. Uh, for those listening at home, we're doing this interview over Zoom. So I see all uh, all three of our teachers on my computer. You know, Amy, you were nodding your head. You know, you know, we talk about that teacher-student interaction a lot, but the teacher-parent interaction was probably through the roof. Take us through what the last three months or, well, before summer break, you know, what was that like trying to get parents up to speed like, to say, hey, you're their teacher now, so this is kind of what you need to do? My school uses several platforms for contacting parents. We use um, we use the Google Classroom, letting the parents know, hey, get on Google Classroom, see what announcements I've put on there. Um, we have a few other messenger systems that we use. So we were using all of those, um, sending calls home, emails. And um, I felt the same way. I'm like, oh gosh, these parents are going to just be so overwhelmed. Um, a lot of my students come from single home uh, single parent homes. And so the parent would be working and trying to manage their, um, their child's education and they had, you know, multiple children. So it was just, I felt badly for the parents too, because I know that they're going through a lot. And, um, a lot of our parents are very involved in their children's education and want them to succeed. So if they saw that their child wasn't doing their work, it was constant emails back and forth. Okay, let's get this figured out. It was just a whole learning process for everyone. Um, I think we were all stressed and all trying
trying to figure out how to navigate this distance learning um, because, like I said before, my school didn't do a whole lot of um, online learning. Uh, we would utilize it some in the classroom, but to have to do it all online or all distance learning, it just it became stressful. <laughs> so hopefully um, this next year with my school's plan, um, we can kind of navigate it and get through it and be more familiar with it this upcoming school year. Absolutely. And, and Ashley, you know, what, what's something that stood out to you with your with your parent interaction um, here in CPS with uh, with your role in the school system? It's just an echo of what the other two ladies said. Um, a lot of it was, you know, we don't want to overwhelm them. We want them to feel supported. Um, my experience was the parents that I worked with were, you know, grateful for our help. They uh, appreciated the contact and they could know what was going on. So much of the time we felt even closer as a team. I mean, my, my position, I talk with parents a lot anyway, and I know the teachers that I work with speak with parents anyway all the time, but um, we really had to make sure we're working together and understand, hey, we're, we're in this together. We're a team. We're all going to navigate this new world <laughs> together. And so, you know, it was a, a place for them to be like, I don't understand what this is. Um, I felt like parents were sending me uh, more text messages or phone calls or emails and reaching out. And, um, you know, they do want their students to be successful. And um, I know some of this new curriculum and the new math is so confusing. And so, um, you know, <laughs> we were all navigating together and uh, uh, just became a bigger team. Um, but yeah, we didn't want to overwhelm anyone because it was so stressful. So hopefully, like Amy said, with the, the district plan and her school plan and everybody's plans coming up, we'll have a little bit better handle of how to do both <laughs> this upcoming school year for sure. Uh, well, it was all hands on deck from February up until summer break, and it sounds like everybody's getting a much needed break at this time. So we're going to do the same thing. We'll take a short break here on the pod. We'll be back on the other side. We're going to talk about this fall and what these three teachers are expecting and a message for you parents out there who are listening as well. Stay with us. Accuracy. It matters in everything you do. Your GPS needs to be accurate. Take a left on third. Your taxes need to be accurate. And your dentist needs to be accurate. You choose accuracy every day. And for an accurate forecast, choose WLWT Weather. It's the only forecast in Cincinnati independently certified most accurate. Nine years in a row and counting. Accuracy does matter. Choose accuracy. Choose WLWT Weather. We are back, and uh, once again, we have Amy Branson. She teaches at Horizon Science in Dayton. Ashley Garland, she is uh, here in Cincinnati with CPS at John P. Parker, and also uh, Emily Crispin, an occupational therapist um, in the Fairfield District as well. We've been talking about COVID-19, teaching, and uh, students back in schools, but here we are recording this on July 14th, and uh, school will be starting um, in the next few weeks. Uh, Districts have multiple plans. Some are sending them all back. Some uh, have a mix of distance learning and going back to school, um, and some might be going all online. So, um, uh, ladies, we'll get back into it. Um, uh, Emily, we'll start with you. You know, in the Fairfield School District, you know, for you, um, do you have any reservations about going back? I know you are in a unique situation yourself. Uh, when we spoke on the phone, you are currently, you know, uh, battling breast cancer right now. So, uh, 
for somebody in your position, what's this moment like heading back into August, heading back to school? Um, it's, I don't know. It's very interesting. I am kind of through like the heavy hitting, really difficult treatments. I've finished the, the heavy hitting chemo. I've had my surgery. I'm done with radiation. So I'm kind of on the backside, if you will. Um, but it's interesting because, you know, I am immunocompromised, but since I feel good and I don't feel like I look, um, sick or ill, it's, you know, I have to remind myself that I do need to be extra careful. And even, you know, going into the community and things like that, it's just, it's, again, I just have to remind myself to be careful because I don't feel immunocompromised and I don't feel like I should be different than any other, you know, 30 something teacher that's heading back to school, but it is a unique situation. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like I've been in isolation since November because I've been off work for treatments and things since then when all of this started. So obviously I'm dying to get back to some sort of routine, some sort of normalcy, you know, feeling productive in my days and obviously seeing the kids. I miss seeing all this, the students that I work with. Um, but yeah, obviously we have to go about it safely. And um, I don't know. I just think it's really hard because I don't know that there's a right answer since the this situation is so unique and, you know, there's just so many different conflicting ideas and opinions and very strong views that I just don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Yeah, and we're so happy to hear that you're, uh, you're getting better, you know, heading back to school. Uh, f- yeah, for you, Amy, you know, we, we all know when you get back to school, get back to class, you're going to be in a classroom with 16, 20 kids, kids possibly, uh, you know, changing rooms um, in your situation. I guess what what are your thoughts now? Um, how are you going to prepare yourself to, you know, be ready, be safe, um, you know, when you guys go back to school? Uh, well, my school, we are having about 16 students per class. Um, and since we're a charter, if more enroll, then our plan is to split into groups and have them go a couple days and then the other group go a couple of days. As of right now, we're going fully back. Um, but the students are going to be in their core class. They're one class all day except for um, their specials classes and they change for that. Um, But then they'll be in the same classroom all day, which is a big adjustment for middle schoolers because they get excited when they go to middle school because that's when they start changing classes. Um, You know, they have their locker. And so it's, it's a big kind of change in their life. And that's kind of being taken away this next year. Um, They'll be back, like they're back in elementary again. Um, So it's going to be a big adjustment, but, um, you know, we're doing these things to kind of um, keep them, to keep them safe, um, to keep them kind of away from each other as much as possible. Um, So that's the current plan that we have right now. Um, We usually go back a week before students, but we're going back two weeks before students just so that we can kind of have discussions and prepare more and um, just figure out what the best plan is and go from there. Yeah, that's all we can do is kind of figure it out as we go with the best plan possible. You know, Ashley, you've talked a lot on this podcast about, you know, how it's a team and you work with a lot of different teachers. What's the word 
going around? You know, how, how are people feeling? How are other teachers preparing? Because we know there's obviously a significant portion of teachers who are in, in, in that age group where, you know, they can be immunocompromised or they can be just more at risk. So, you know, what, what's, what are the thoughts and feelings, you know, for uh, your group of uh, teachers that you work with? I actually ran into a teacher yesterday at um, the local dollar store and uh, she was stocking up on pencil cases and um, everything, one for each student and talking about, you know, how she's going to be able to clean in between days because I'm uh, sure if you have a CPS student, you've probably seen, you know, their plans for the fall for what's coming out. And so um, right now, the teachers that I've talked with are just really jumping into how can we keep this safe and sanitary. And um, I think, you know, just do the best that we can to, um, you know, keep the hand sanitizers out and washing hands. And, um, you know, I think our plan too is to stay in the same classroom as well. And the teachers rotate uh, to kind of limit walking uh, in the halls and things, but it's definitely going to be different uh, for our students. Um, And then my son, he's uh, going into fourth grade and he uh, has type one diabetes. And so he's uh, immunocompromised as well. So, and I'm sure he's not the only student um, in the district in the building that deal with different things. So how do you keep those students safe? Um, because I know for him, he liked online learning, but he needs to be with people too. <laughs> so, and just that age, they need that social learning and how social emotional learning and how to get along with others. And now we, you know, we can't share materials and we can't sit together and do partner learning and Kagan strategies and all these things that we do to make learning fun and engaging. It's, uh, it's definitely going to be a different ball, uh, ball game this, this year for sure. But I think our teachers are trying to think creative as possible <laughs> to get it done for our kids for sure you know for you being a mother with a fourth grader you've got a foot in each boat right now you gotta you know worry about sending one back while you go do your job what has all of this been like for you trying to keep your family safe while preparing to go back while preparing for you to go back it just seems like there's a lot there for you it has been, I've always been a person, and Amy can speak to this probably because we, we went to college together, but I've never been a like a small plate person. I tend to fill my whole platter up and then it stacks. And I don't mean to do that, but um, man, uh, you know, balancing multiple things at once is, is definitely challenging. Um, I'm thankful for the support of my husband and um, my mom has moved here. And um, so she's been a big support. So just depending on, you know, close family, uh, friends, our church support, um, all of that to help us try and keep it balanced. Um, Coming up with some sort of a schedule (laughs) where I could, you know, um, work with my students, but then make sure my son had what he needed. And then my three-year-old is, you know, she has her own needs too. So it's been, uh, it's been an interesting, you know, it's been an interesting time, but um, you know, they say you never get more put on you than you can handle. So apparently... What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. So here we are, <laughs> learning how to do it all. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, let me take a step back real quick. You guys went through so much in the spring heading into summer. I'm sure when the official last day of school hit that there was this weight lifted all off of all of your shoulders. So real quick, Amy, I'll start with you. How have you been relaxing this summer? What's been that one thing that's been really bringing you back to that Zen moment and feeling good? Um, Well, you know, a lot of people I've heard are, you know, kind of getting tired of their families because they're in 
quarantine together. <laughs> They're, they've been together for so long, but um, I've been enjoying it. My husband has unfortunately been furloughed for um, almost as long as I've been off, but um, we've just been using that time with our kids and um, spending time together with our family. Um, my son is starting kindergarten this year, and so I'm trying to prepare him for what's going to be happening and we've been having some discussions on that um and then my parents just bought a house down the street from us so we've been kind of helping them move and we're looking forward to spending time with uh, my parents and so it's it's been a good time for me um but I, I see people post on Facebook and stuff like oh my gosh my kids are driving me nuts or my husband's driving me nuts but I've I've enjoyed it and um, we've just been kind of playing outside and spending time together. So it's been, it's been good. That's, that's great. And uh, Emily, for you, how have you been spending the summer relaxing? So I am actually also planning my wedding. So it was fun to kind of finish with one thing and then pick up for planning a wedding, which has also been its own set of stress during this pandemic. But after this year and everything that um, my fiance and I have gone through with all of this completely unexpectedly, we're like, show up, wear your mask. Like we are not pushing this thing back. Like, <laughs> you know, obviously we're going to do everything we can to make everyone feel safe. And, you know, there are some people that aren't able to travel or come that we wish could be there. Um, but it, it's been nice because I've been able to focus on that. It's kind of been a light at the end of multiple tunnels for me. Um, so that's been fun. Um, my fiance actually just got a little puppy as well. So we've been spending a lot of time um, trying to train her and play with her and keep her entertained. Um, I have a couple friends and I just have to salute all the parents out there um, with young children, with older children. I literally can't imagine keeping them entertained since March. So I just want to give you guys a round of applause because I think, I mean, my friends, you guys, I mean, all the parents out there, you guys are amazing because I, I really just can't even imagine. So, so bravo to all of you. And Ashley, for you, you know, this, this summer, uh, you know, a couple of weeks before we go back, how have you spent your summer? What's been that one thing that stands out for you? Uh, we've been doing a lot of walks at the park uh, that's near our house. Um, our community pool has thankfully opened up a little bit. So with, you know, restrictions and limitations, but um, we've been going there some. Uh, my son learned to ride his bike without training wheels. <laughs> we finally got the big kid bike, um, finally. And uh, so just doing that, baking things, eating all the food I probably shouldn't. But man, it's been great soul food. From us, you know, from a from an inside heart, it's just delicious stuff. But you know, spending time together, board games, and um, a little bit of decluttering, getting rid of stuff. Um, my mother just got a little Yorkie puppy, and uh, so we she lives around the corner from us as well. So we get to walk over there, and my my kids love. Um, visiting the puppy and playing basketball and we've done a couple nights of s'mores and uh, cornhole tournaments have been our new thing <laughs> no that's great i'm glad you've all had a really really good summers um as we uh, wrap up this podcast you know obviously when we all go back it's going to be a new situation for learning for everybody students teachers administrators up and down all the way down uh from each of you i want you guys to give a message to the parents out there because 
you guys have done the distance learning, got some practice in, but there could be a point where everybody goes back to distance learning. So, uh, Amy, we'll start with you. What would be your message to parents as uh, we head back to school this fall? Don't be afraid of your students' teachers. Um, I know a lot of parents are kind of intimidated and they feel like, oh, this there's this mean teacher that, you know, doesn't want to be bothered, but talk to your students' teachers. Um, we are open. We love your children as much as we love our own. We spend as much time with your children as we do our own. Um, so just reach out to us. I know with me, I'm constantly checking my email. Um, you know, I'm open and I know teachers who are in the profession because they love students and they love teaching, they're open. So just don't be intimidated. Don't be afraid of your kid's teacher. Um, have open communication. Don't be afraid to express concerns um, and have open communication. I think my message would be to just have patience and, you know, try to find the positives, try to find the small wins, because I think, um, you know, just in general, it's really easy to focus on the negative and kind of be angry or disappointed or frustrated. And I feel like sometimes that can just like suck you down and um, kind of put you in a, in a bad negative place. So, you know, as much as you can focus on the positives and finding those little wins throughout the day, um, I think is important. And even just kind of like Ashley said, you know, some kids maybe will thrive on this distance learning. Um, another thing I think of from an occupational therapist and fine motor and gross motor development is hopefully this has, um, you know, caused kids to maybe play outside more or be more creative or, you know, have those times where they're bored that kind of forces them to, um, be creative and come up with their own ideas, which I think is really important for students' development and things like that. So I'm kind of trying to focus on like, hey, maybe there'll be a swing back to, you know, the importance of playing outside and playing with toys and maybe away from some of the um, just being in front of a screen all day long. So that's kind of a positive that I'm trying to take from this and hope that, you know, we see some of those uh, positive effects from that. So... Uh, probably the same echo that I've kind of guess, shared throughout the whole thing is that we're on the same team and we want, you know, your students to be successful. Like Amy said, we love your students um, and don't be afraid to ask questions. And I tell my parents and my kids this all the time. If you don't understand, please ask me. Uh, if you have to ask me three, four, five times, that's fine. Let's find a way to help you understand um, what's going on. Um, let's see what works best for you. So, you know, we're all going to be um, all hands on deck, like you said earlier, in this together, and um, we'll find what works for your student, for your family, to make sure everybody's getting what they need um, during this time. So um, we're in it together. Stay positive, <laughs> definitely. Uh, there has to be, you know, light at the end of the tunnel. Try and think of one positive thing, just like my, like my other friend said every day. <laughs> Count your blessings, because there is one, uh, and um, that's just going to help us get through all of this together. Emily, Ashley, Amy, thank you all so much for what you do as educators in our communities. You guys are all uh, very much appreciated. And those of us here at WLWT appreciate you all taking the time out of your evenings to speak with us here um, on the podcast. So we will end this here. Good luck this fall, ladies. I hope you have a good one. Thank you. Thank you.
Bye. Bye. If you like this podcast, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. This has been WLWT News 5 Beyond the Studio. I'm Stephen Albritton. Thanks for listening.